Jackson's Pastor Teresa Pugh with the Daughter's Seat Podcast. All right, so here we are, and uh, this evening we're going to be talking about breast cancer awareness and helping others, and, and I asked you ladies, because of your journey, uh, and even though all of one of you did not have a uh, negative response in terms of the what you found in your breast, it still has some um, negative side effects in how you feel about different things. So that's why I call ask each of you um, to come on and let's talk about it as we approaching Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, starting next week. Uh, also, the fact that, um, from my understanding, each of you started at different stages in your life. Uh, this had this experience different stages in your life. So uh, that's another reason I asked the three of you to talk about it. But let us pray in advance, if you don't mind. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together as sisters in Christ and knowing that we are your daughters. And we ask that as we offer this podcast to the rest of the world that will listen, Lord God, we just ask that they be blessed and that they will find the opportunity to know what you have for them to do in order to know how to better assist them in uh, keeping their bodies. Father, we just say thank you for the opportunity of each one of these ladies that you've given them this journey, and, Lord God, that they have, you have given them uh, the opportunity to know that you are still in control of all things. Oh. Father, we just ask that no matter what, you get the glory, praise, and the honor in all things we do and say. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 All right, and it's a conversation, so feel free to jump in when you have opportunity. I know I sent out the questions, and this is just to give us some kind of guideline as to what we want to discuss and uh, understanding uh, where each of us are. Uh, so I'm going to start with um, any one of you, uh, whoever would like to jump in, about how old were you, or if you don't mind divulging your age, when you <laughs> discovered <laughs> uh, you were first diagnosed or discovered that you even had a um, lump or a problem? Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I was 65, and it was two weeks after my retirement. And as a matter of fact, today is the fifth year anniversary of my diagnosis. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. I was 16, yeah. actually, when I found the lump in my breast. Wow. And um, I was 48. Amen. Like I mm-hmm. said, different stages of life. Mm-hmm. And sure. just realizing I can't imagine having retired and well, I can't imagine having retired because I did it, but then <laughs> all of a sudden your life changes even in a different direction. Or That's even being right. 16 and, and young. And I would and, add, in follow-up to that statement about your life changes in a different direction, I was diagnosed 30 minutes before starting a new job. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so to, to your point of it starting in a different direction, I got the call from the doctor to confirm it 
And then 30 minutes later, I had a, a call with my new boss to say, hey, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for hiring me, but. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. How did you, any, in, again, anyone can jump in. How did you detect that you might have an issue? I'll jump in again and say that I was, I had come from a family reunion and it had been hot and sweaty and I came home and took a shower and put on a big t-shirt, no bra, and sitting watching TV and I couldn't tell you, I probably couldn't do it again now if I tried, but some way or the other, my arm, I had had to lift my arm up for something, and when it came back down, my forearm brushed against my breast, and I detected that something was there. And so I got up, left the room, went in the bathroom, and started feeling, and sure enough, there was a lump. Wow. And I had had a mammogram just three months before that came back negative, no problem. Wow. Wow. I'll jump in. For me, it was a regular scan. So I typically get my mammograms towards the end of every year and um, no lumps or or anything. And it was a matter of they saw something in my scan called calcifications, calcium. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, let's take another look. So they did a a second look. And they said, yes, so this looks like there are some, some, some cells starting to develop here. So let's get a biopsy, and then that's when the biopsy was able to determine the stage. But I didn't have any change in my breast. It's literally the cells were starting to form at that in that moment, and I just had a mammogram a year before. I'm very diligent on getting them every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So self for me, it was actually soreness that I felt. Um, I had been sore for a little while, and I um, had been reading my mom's cosmopolitan magazines and I remember an um, article about self-breast exams so I did a self-breast exam and that's when I discovered my lump I didn't even wow. know that they could have been okay oh, so wow. it, let me ask this question had any of you done been uh, conscious of doing self-breast exam all along or was this just uh, I know Michelle you said that uh, you had done a mammogram and and this was a scan from the scan that they had done this is where where yours was detected and Donna you said because your arms just accidentally brushed against it and I Nancy said you were sore so my question is do you regularly routinely do self-breast exams of yourself and if not what would you tell uh, another woman, what she could do or how she could do it, since mammograms don't always pick up everything. That's right. That's I I will say that in my 30s, 40s, and even my 50s, I did do regular self-exams, um, and I encouraged other women to do them. But I think part of me kind of thought after menopause, I probably was kind of, was safe and out of the woods, and I, obviously I was wrong. And so for that, I would say do them every month yourself and never stop. <laughs> okay. I have to agree. And also when you're younger, because I had never done one before, didn't think that the article applied to me, um, but I now know that 
as I would say as young as 15, maybe 14. I mean, when mm-hmm. women start developing their breasts, they should automatically, or if they don't understand, maybe the parents should automatically do exams because to be at that age, you don't think that it's possible, but it is possible. Wow, yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And, and I'm sure when, when a child goes to a pediatrician, at a very young age, they're not necessarily instructing them on doing self-breast exams. No, probably not. So, one of the things I, I'm, I'm sorry. One of the things I wanted to say too is, um, as I, from a teenager all the way up for a long time, I had fibrocystic breasts, so my breasts were very lumpy anyway. And even though I did my exams, I was concerned that I still didn't know what I was doing or if I would detect something that wasn't supposed to be there. But I do encourage you um, women to do it anyway, because even though you may have lumps, you become familiar to what's always there and then perhaps brought attention to something that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, yeah. And, and, and I, I would say uh, to other women that have daughters, young girls, teaching them how to, mm-hmm. because, you know, just taking your hand around your breast and, 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 and like you said, Donna, recognizing that, oh, that wasn't there. I didn't feel it like that last time. Right. And, and right. recognizing that that is what helps in detecting that there may be an issue. It's a great, great stuff, great stuff. And, and that, and like you said, uh, when we hit menopause and we hit over 60, <laughs> we're not necessarily trying to think about, oh, well, you know, shoot, I'm through it now. <laughs> but that's Right. <laughs> Right. That's not the case. Okay. And so understanding that um, we talked about what stage was your uh, cancer in, and I know, Inez, yours was not malignant. Yours was benign. At what Mm -hmm. stage had, had it grown to? What size or stage were you in when you were first diagnosed? I know for it was the size of a golf ball. It was pretty big when mm-hmm. they put that out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And to see me now, because I do have a small chest, I mean, it was bigger then, but, you know, um, children mm-hmm. have deflated that. But to see me now, you'd have never thought that it could have gotten to be that size. Right, right. Wow. That, that's all pretty big. That is big. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Solid thing. <laughs> um, for me, I was stage one, um, but also I was triple negative, mm. and so that is um, a little different than because only about fifteen to twenty percent of breast cancers are triple negative. Oh, so what does that mean? What is triple negative? Yeah, so triple negative is considered a, an aggressive type of breast mm-hmm. cancer. So regardless mm-hmm. of the stage, it's still considered aggressive. And it's aggressive because, and this is where it gets a little technical, and I had to learn it through experience, but the receptor that's in, that's in your body is, does not respond to hormone therapy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have the estrogen or the progesterone or the HER2 that you would learn a little bit more about with, with breast cancer. Treatment doesn't apply to that. So there's no pills or... or um, 
like ongoing pills that you can take that someone will take for estrogen positive. Mm-hmm. And the only way to kind of cure or to treat it is only chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's considered, um, they use the word aggressive and difficult mm-hmm. to treat depending on the stage. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. It's the one that's the lowest. No, actually zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zero are, are known as DCIS. Okay. Mine was a stage two, um, and I think they said it was like two centimeters. I say it was probably the size of the your first joint of your thumb. Um, and um, to to Mich- Michelle's comment, mine was ninety nine percent estrogen. Mm-hmm. So it was. I, I didn't have to have chemo, but I did have to have 18 rounds of of radiation, and I am on a estrogen inhibitor pill. Um, March will be five years, and then the doctor told me I can come off. Okay. And it actually reduces the amount of estrogen that your body produces, which I thought. I didn't have much left at all, but they said, yes, <laughs> yes, you actually do. And so they gave me a pill that took me through another round of what seemed like menopause worse than the first, but I'll, oh, I didn't complain and I've taken it. <laughs> Amen. Oh, wow. Amen. Amen. Hot flashes and all. Mm. Oh, it was worse than I had ever had them before, but it was oh, okay. I, if that was the solution, I took it. <laughs> Amen. When they do that, do they kind of offset it with testosterone? I know I've heard something about no, that. No, all okay. I had was the was the was the estrogen inhibitor. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> now it, it, we've talked about when you found it, and we've talked about how it was detected. What was your reaction when you got the news that there was? <laughs> problem. Yes, that um, for for me, I had already come through a few other medical challenges, uh, and so I, when I got the call and they 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 told me, yeah, you do have cancer. You don't want to hear that word. So right. it, it you just you don't want to hear it. And but the reality is, it exists. And I've lost my father to bladder cancer. Mm. And so the only cancer close to me that I had experienced was of, of, of cancer to death and watching him go down. So I really was in a really bad, I think, mental space. Um, and then what made it worse was when after the surgery and they, they or the, yeah, the surgery and they came back and said it's the aggressive cancer, you right. just go numb. You literally, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. time stands still, and you, you're, you, you don't, re- it's like an out-of-body experience. Like, mm-hmm. this is really happening to me? Are you sure? Are you, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. And so you, you, you have every emotion. I mean, you, would, you wouldn't be human if you didn't. You, you have every mm-hmm. emotion of, of, of anger and uh, c- confusion, mm-hmm. um, scared, all of them. All of them. And so for me, it was just, you know, I I went on back to work after I got the diagnosis, and I told my boss I need to work. I will deal with this when I get mm-hmm. off. If I stop right now, I won't be able to function. So it was very pivotal that when I had that call at 830 and I, with the doctor and got right. on the phone with my boss at 9, now we're going to mm-hmm. have this meeting. 
because then I also remember that I serve a God that has gotten me through so much mm-hmm. before, and he's going to get me through mm-hmm. the yes. next step. It's not yes. going to be easy, but he's never failed me. So she looked at me and said, are you sure we're going to have, yes, we're going to have this call, because God has got me. It, it's, it's mm-hmm. good. It's, we're going to be okay. Amen. And then you can break down later. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I can only have to I, I, um, I will agree that when I got the call, I was home alone, and I listened to what I would listen to them say, Mrs. Woodard, it is cancer. And mm-hmm. I said, okay. And they went on to tell me, you know, somebody will call and schedule with the breast specialist and with the oncologist. And then I was calm through the conversation. And I said, okay. And I hung up. And I stood there for a minute at the island in my kitchen. And the, the when things go wrong in our lives, oftentimes, especially women, we often want to slip into the mode of how can I fix this? But mm-hmm. I realized that this was not something that I could fix. And I said, okay, you say you trust the Lord. This is where the rubber hits the road. Either you do or you don't. I took a deep breath, and I said, okay, Lord, let's do this. And that's exactly what I did. And after I finished, I picked up the phone and called my husband at work. And And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then an hour later, he walked through the door. I said, I told you I was fine. And that's that's basically how I went through it. And as things got a little overwhelming with all of the information and the surgery and the test and all of that, periodically I had to ask the Lord to squeeze my hand to let me know he was still there. But I trusted him through the whole thing. And I learned a lot about me and my relationship with him through this process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Inez, did you have Um, any reaction? It was kind of an eerie feeling because I grew up knowing that my mother's mom had passed away from breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. um, I always had in the back of my mind that it would be me next. And I've never shared this with anybody, but I've always had it in the back of my mind to be me next. So when I found the lump and we went through the whole, because they tried to do a biopsy, and they said, okay, we can't do a biopsy in the office. We're going to have to have it removed. I kind of just felt like, okay, it is what it is. I know God already had a plan for me. Mm-hmm. This is what he planned for me. And I just had that eerie feeling. So when they came back and said that it was benign, I was shocked. So I was like, oh, well, I guess mm-hmm. God had more for me than I thought, you know, there's more that he wants me to do. But I've always felt like that since I was younger, that this was his life and not mine. So mm-hmm. when it came back, I was just like, okay, so what else, what's next? What do you need from me? Right, right. Now, that's unusual for a 16-year-old, though. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's a 16-year-old reaction, yeah. I would say. Uh, I, you know, I, it's been a while. I agree. <laughs> but, I'm, a, I'm uh, a different. I'm a different kind of kid. Well, you know. I'm a, <laughs> I, I understand that, and I know. But yeah, and 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 so these reactions are such that, and and as Michelle has said, you go from A to Z. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I, I know I've not had that experience, but I can only imagine uh, as. You ladies, and I'm sure women across this world, have had to face this dilemma and 
this giant as we think of it. And having to, for those that did not have anyone to call or a job to go to or, or have a God that they serve that they know will see them through regardless of the, of the outcome, that knowing that God would see them through it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what they would be experiencing uh, at that time. Uh, but was there any, any of you have, uh, I, I, mean, I heard you talk about your family history, but uh, Michelle and Donna, did either of you have any family history of breast cancer that you could relate to or anyone you could ask questions of or, or, or how they went through or, or what happened with them? No, I didn't have any family history at all. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. And um, I, had, I had an aunt. Um, who passed away from it in the early 90s, and, and her stage was pretty advanced at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I've learned most recently that I had a great-grandmother who um, had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know you talked about your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anyone else in your family that has had that experience? Um, not with breast cancer, Mom you know, other forms of cancer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's not necessarily that it is completely a family uh, situation. Uh, I know that Patty McGill at one time talked about all of her sisters and her mom dying from breast cancer and having these issues. Uh, And there are other women I know that it's just gone down the line and um, affected women in family members all throughout um, in that way. So it, that's interesting because people sometimes get caught up, well, my family doesn't have it, so I don't have it, um, mm-hmm. and not thinking that they can get it because somebody else in the family didn't have it. So that's another thing that in helping women to realize it has nothing to do always with what the family had. Uh, right. You know, it's not something that may be passed down per se. So it's still the understanding that it can happen to me uh, in mindset, so let me make sure I'm doing what I need to do to see, make sure if it does happen, I can catch it early enough doing my mammograms, my self-breast exams and those things. Um, I would think would be. I would add to that. And, and I'll be very, very transparent. I mean, even understanding of having an aunt who had breast cancer and, mm-hmm. and knowing that it, it was in my family, I still walked every, around every day thinking, that can't happen to me. You mm-hmm. know, we, we, mm-hmm. we think that we are invincible and that we're right. not exempt. And so, yeah, it's good to know your family history and, and, and understand it, but even if then – Knowing I had family history, I still didn't think it was. It was such a shock. Right. Um, and so it's a matter of regardless whether you got family history or not, nobody's exempt from cancer, period. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what right. I've learned in this process. That's true. Yep. Amen. Amen. You treat that process. So I, I hear that, um, Donna, you talked about, not doing the chemo, but getting the radiate 18 rounds of radiation, plus taking right. this uh, estrogen uh, inhibitor for five years. It's, 
eventually you will be coming off this year. Is that correct? In March, next year. In, in March, March of next year, yep. Amen. Uh, Michelle or uh, Inez, you said uh, what was your treatment process? Uh, Inez, yours being benign, but there still were some things I'm sure that they needed to do. Actually, they removed the tumor and sent me on my way. Really? That was. Mhm. They sent me on my way after they tested it. Um, they didn't ask for any follow-up appointments or anything. And it still, it took them. Um, I think I was 43 when they when the insurance allowed me to do my first mammogram. Not mm-hmm. 43, 42, because it was last year. They wouldn't even do mammograms on me until I was 42, although they had said that, um, yeah, we know you have this family history, but based off of this, you know, we don't think that you need to have a mammogram earlier than this age. Even though you wow. had this ball-sized lump yep. in your brain. Wow. Yep. They would not do it. So it's mm-hmm. a money thing. Mm-hmm. It's always yeah. That plays a part, yes. Of course. And you have to be your own advocate. You yep. do. You really do. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. And they, they, they did the biopsy in the office? They did, yes. They tried to do a biopsy with a needle because they thought it was a cyst at first. They removed this in the doctor's office. No surgery. No. No, no, no. They removed it via surgery, but they first tried to do a biopsy with the needle because they thought it was a mm-hmm. And When the needle wouldn't penetrate it, that's when they mm-hmm. scheduled the surgery to have it removed. Wow. Okay. Ooh, I can't imagine. Where was your mama? <laughs> oh, she was there. <laughs> she was there giving them a whole world of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine uh, uh, it, for Michelle and Donna, Inez is my niece, so that's the reason okay. I asked that was a mama. Was my, my sister probably, I would have thought she would have fainted by then, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of that, and that's her only daughter, yeah, I probably would have fainted mm-hmm. if Jerry was going through it, I, you know, what can I tell you, but yeah. So, Michelle, what kind of treatment process did, they, did you have to endure? Yeah, endure is the right word. Um, uh-huh. So I had, a, I had a lumpectomy first, and uh-huh. um, after the lumpectomy, I had some um, complications because with the lumpectomy, they had to do some reconstructive surgery as well. Uh-huh. So I ran into some complications after that, and then once that healed, then I went into 16 weeks of chemotherapy. And so that was um, every Friday. And I took a, about a month break. So I started chemotherapy in, yeah, 16 weeks. And so once I finished chemo, I that had to do uh, about five weeks of radiation every day. So my journey started January 25th with the diagnosis, and I finished radiation the second week of December. Ooh, wow. So it was a full year of treatment. And are you having to do anything since then? Um, So uh, I have to see my oncologist every three months for um, lab work as well as an exam. And then I alternate in that 
in a, another three months where I see the breast surgeon where they also do an exam. And then I, every six months I have to do a diagnostic mammogram. So it's an ongoing and that'll process. Be, yeah, and that will be my journey for five years. Mm. For at least five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that okay. is our, our, our mark of, Facebook, you know, that they, they would consider it completely cured. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, I ask a question? Sure. When we first started, um, I'm not sure which one of the ladies mentioned that sometimes mammograms don't always pick up. Um, right. Anything, and is that is that normally the case? And I'm asking for a reason. So is that normally the case, or do you find that you, they've had to do something in addition to the mammograms? For me, it was uh, the, the, the diagnostic mammogram. So I also had not just a mammogram, but I also had an MRI. Okay. So when I, when I go, they do the MRI in addition to a, the, the diagnostic mammogram, which is kind of like the 3D mammogram and I think mm-hmm. it's something else. Yeah, I still have to something get those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the MRI is also done. Okay. So was that done initially or since the cancer was detected? Sure. It was part, once they did the biopsy, the next step was the MRI um, in addition to another mammogram. So once they saw that it was, the calcium was building up, um, they wanted to do the MRI. And they'll tell you, your MRI is going to pick up any and everything. And so not not to truly panic, but... um, in doing that, then they also saw something in the other breast, and mm-hmm. that puts them on alert as well. So just a a, a watch for nothing mm-hmm. there, but just mm-hmm. they're watching it closely. So I will. So yes, that was part of the initial, um, I guess, diag- diagnostic process, and will continue to be because the MRI, to the point of, of mammograms, don't always pick up everything. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So so. If a person, a woman, generally, yeah, there are men that do get breast cancer, right? But generally, women feels a lump, but has had a mammogram that tells her it's negative. My thing, she should still go back to the doctor and say, "Look, I still feel something here." Or, you know, be proactive, and I think someone said that you, you've got to be your own advocate. Be mm-hmm. proactive as saying, yeah, I know the mammogram says it's negative, but I know my body. And my body is saying there's something there that shouldn't be there. Or there's something out of place that wasn't there before. So recognizing that machines that are man-made aren't always as exact as you would want them to be or pray that they are, we still have to be the best advocate that we can be for ourselves. That's right. Uh, bar none, you know, they're, they're going to be doctors that might, unfortunately, oh, there's nothing. Uh, if you are feeling that, and it may cost you money, you mm-hmm. know, if you've got it or if you can get to a um, a free 
because um, there are some places that give free mammograms every year, and it's Mm -hmm. usually around October that they do it. Making sure that they get at least the basics, but making sure that nobody talks you out of what you know is going on with your own body. That's right. Um, And and that's what I'm hearing from you ladies because a golf ball, uh, uh, even uh, the first joint of your thumb, or even just some calcification, it all says, I think I need some more help. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. need some more insight. Ask for a second opinion every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Were there any programs or services that were offered to you that would have helped you during your treatment process? Any mental health services, any uh, OTPT, well, physical therapy, occupational therapy, because when you have something removed or you've uh, had to go through all of this, I'm sure there's a lot of dynamics that go into it. Was there any type of programs or services offered to you? And as I'm hearing, nothing was offered to you. Just go home and be happy. Yeah, that's correct. They didn't offer anything for me. As as for me, the high, the hospital system that I went through, um, I didn't have any physical services that that were required. But one of the things they they did have for cancer uh, patients was mindfulness class, and mm-hmm. I went to that for the first time, and it actually helped me in addition to you know my 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 faith and holding on to that to just to be able to um bring those thoughts that sometimes can can take off and run you in the wrong direction how to bring that back in and even now it helped a lot then and i i even use those those um those methods now to kind of help me, you know, bring in my wandering thoughts or to control and just focus on my breathing or whatever. It helps a lot. So that's one thing that they offered. Um, They also had programs for helping you to eat better and, you know, um, different things to add into your diet and take out that will help along your, your cancer journey. Now, that was pre-pandemic. I don't know if they still offer some of those now, but they were very helpful for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. and very similar with with me. The system I used was um, I had a nutritionist, so I was assigned a nutritionist, and um, there were some support groups, and it was kind of during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. so um, there were online support groups that you could Mm -hmm. participate in, and then they would have um, yoga and, you know, to the point of what Donna said, like mindfulness type of activities. And mm-hmm. um, then they also had caretaker type set up for support groups as well. Um, mm-hmm. But no physical no physical therapy or anything that was needed. Oh, okay. Okay. So even though um, you didn't have a mastectomy, so you just had the... Um, the lumpectomy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, but they did offer, but no... Necess- not necessarily mental health services, just the mind. Um, they offered account- yeah, they offered um, one-on-one to counseling support as well if you wanted it, if you wanted to take advantage. They would have an actual calendar of events mm-hmm. as well 
um, mm-hmm. that you could look on for each month in different locations to see where you may want to go. But they, they did offer one-on-one counseling as well if you want, if you needed that versus support groups. Okay. So now the support groups, are you still uh, a part of it or they stopped or? I'll be honest. I, I, did, I, I attended a couple and they were too heavy for me um, because one of the challenges, you have people in the groups with different stages. Mm-hmm. And so while mm-hmm. while I'm sitting here feeling anxious about just a lumpectomy, there's another patient who has stage four, and there is no mm-hmm. cure. And she's, you know, they're expressing the fact that well, my doctor won't even let me have a anything because I'm just, you know, living my days out. So it, it became too heavy. So I, right. I leveraged my family and my my circle mm-hmm. and people like Donna who encouraged me. Um, <laughs> And so that that was more like my and my friends, my sister circle, my village. Okay. They they became my true support. Okay, okay. Donna, was that basically the same for you? Um, yes, and um, and one thing I will say is when it was made known that I did have breast cancer, immediately. Um, a woman from our congregation who I knew who she was, but it's not like we had been friends. She immediately found me and um, just just um, locked arms with me, if you will. She had been through the same thing I had. She had the same stage, same, same diagnosis, same treatment. So she was able to let me know what to expect, you know, how to do with the radiation, just all of those things that just helped me so much to know that I had somebody that I could even say how I felt and I didn't have to be concerned about them taking it the wrong way or not understanding. She knew. And that did so much for me. You know, it's one thing to say I'm sorry or I know what you've gone through, but she actually had walked those steps before me. And I said, because of the great benefit she added for me, I will do the same thing if I ever have the opportunity. And I've had several opportunities, and I feel like that's part of the purpose. And, you know, God used that for part of my purpose, to help somebody else walk in those same steps. But that was so valuable to me, and I am still ever grateful for her. Amen, amen, amen. That's amazing. Yes. That is amazing. It is that you there was someone there that God had put in place. Right. Right. Knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. To help you through your journey. And That's right. You, you were helped. You're helping others. And Michelle has already said you were part of that sister circle. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's what it's about. Part of a sister circle. And, and, and uh, Inez, I know at one time you were a youth. Uh, um, director at your church. Mm-hmm. Well, have you ever had the opportunity to talk with other young girls about breast cancer or breast lump, lumps or whatever? I did start speaking with the older girls. I tried to wait until they were at least in their junior year before I started having those conversations, but I did start telling them the importance of self-breast exams, making sure that they understood, you know, Every month you need to check, make sure that there's nothing there. If it's something that's not normally there, you should definitely mm-hmm. inform your parents or, you know, your doctor or something, but don't let it go unnoticed. 
Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. They, you know, kids think they're invincible. I thought I was, so. Right. I was to make sure that they knew. Yeah, of course. What advice would any of you, and each one to jump in, would you give any woman at any age, starting in this age, at any age, about concerning detection, concerning the journey, whether it's malignant or benign, um, that could be a takeaway for any woman that would be listening to this, how to handle, how to know, how to um, uh, be encouraged through the journey, how no matter the diagnosis, what they can do or can't do through this journey. Everybody. I would want to encourage. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I would just want to encourage a person to know that it's a different date and time where Mm -hmm. the treatment is so advanced now. And I think one of the things that kept me from jumping off the cliff, per se, was understanding that the doctor told me, you're A, at a stage it's curable. And even Mm -hmm. if it wasn't curable, it's still treatable. Mm-hmm. And the way that the medication is now, the therapies to, to, to do it, it's, it's encouraging. So to, to not panic. It's hard. It's easy said, said now, but it, mm-hmm. it, don't panic. And then the other mm-hmm. thing, if you're going through the journey, what I will tell you is allow your emotions to just allow yourself to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things that I carried through it was guilt. Mm. Wow. That's an interesting word. Yeah, you know, you you go through this journey, and it's happening to you, but it's happening to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so you you have people going on this journey with you, and they have to stop their lives to pray with you, or they have to stop their lives to go to a doctor's appointment or to check in, and you start to feel guilty. So what I would tell women in that case, just people love you and let them love you. Chantel would always mm-hmm. tell me, Will you just let us love you? <laughs> you know. So um, I'll just stop there and, and just say just don't panic. The medication is so much more better. And understand your emotions, what's driving it, and just go through it, and you'll be okay. You will be okay. Amen. Amen. I'll, I'll piggyback up off of that. And I will also, uh, you write about the emotions. You know, you feel how you feel. But be careful that you don't get stuck in that in that low place, you know. And that's where faith comes in. It's you know you'd be less than human if you just pretended like it wasn't there and or it didn't bother you. But have those moments. But then you know get up and dust yourself off and move on until the next time. The other thing again is. Uh, early detection. So do those exams. And, you know, Inez says she was 16. That's not too young to start teaching the young ladies how to do them so they become familiar with their bodies so they're able to recognize when something's new or different. Because the earlier they find it, if they find it, the early, the, the, with all of the research and advances that they have now, the better your chances are, are coming through this almost unscathed. 
Amen. Amen. Lightning for me uh, as an older woman. I I can't, I have not had that part of the journey. And um, I'm thankful that you ladies have shared your insight that can help others in knowing what to do, what to look for, how to go through allowing themselves to be just who they are at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because uh, in the moment it is what it is. You you can't, we're we're not the ones that's going to make the decision on how to deal with it. God is. Um, And giving them, giving nurses and doctors the opportunity to know what the new advances in medicine are and the technology is and letting it work for us. So, yes, it is. um, I'm very thankful that the three of you shared your stories and your journeys with us and um, as sisters in Christ that we can share and know that that's part of what we're supposed to do is sharing, mm-hmm. that that's our testimonies, that mm-hmm. because testimonies are for helping others to know, see what God brought me through, he can do it for you. And, and that's so right. That, that's the important part, and as daughters of the Most High God, we, we, if we don't share with each other and come together and join with each other in lifting each other, I love the sister circles that you ladies have that help you through helps you through the journey that you're on, and, and you don't just stop there. You pass it on to the next woman. That's mm-hmm. the way it is supposed to be. Is there anything else you would like to share with us before we close out this podcast? Jerry, is there any questions that you have? Um, no, I think we the questions we asked were very good and very informative, so I'm complete. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. I I really appreciate it. And I truly do believe that what God allows us to go through, it is a purpose for that. And part of it, like you said, is sharing and helping somebody else that comes up behind you. Amen. I do want to say thank you for having um, visited this part of my life in a very long time. We're talking about 96, so that's a long time ago. And it's just something that I need to share more because I forget that I have daughters and I have to remind them, you know, mm-hmm. you should definitely check. And with Kendall being 14 now, well, 13, one or 14, I haven't even had the conversation with her. Oh. So okay. this is a great, great way for me to lead into that conversation. Okay. Okay. Great. Now is the time. Yeah. That you have to open that up. Does she even know you ever had a lump? No, nothing. Okay, okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is that opportunity Yeah. Um, to say, hey, I want you to be as safe and, um, as possible, and this is a part of safety. So, wonderful. Right. God bless, ladies. I'm so thankful that you did this with me. And at Rise All Daughters, we we we're gonna keep on keeping on and and um, talking and sharing this information as we put it out on Spotify. And uh, Jerry, can you tell them what other 
uh, social media platforms that it might occur on? Um, so our podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. Uh, we will post the link for you guys um, on social media next Sunday so that you all can listen back and to, uh, tell your network about the podcast also. All right. We'll Please do. Share. Please thank share. You. So, so thank you pray. so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Mother, we just thank you for shining a light that we as sisters and daughters of the Most High God can come together and know that you have put us in place that we can help one another. Father, we just ask that as we go along the way that each and every one of these daughters of yours, that they be blessed, they be healed, they be set free from anything that the enemy has tried to put against them. And Lord God, we Praise your name because you are God and God all by yourself. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Ladies, have an Amen. 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 Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.